Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This message is from our Pictures of Christ Sermon Series, which walks through the Old Testament and looks at the similarities and differences between Christ and many of the most important people in the Old Testament. We hope that this message will be a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. All right, we're in Hebrews chapter 7 is where we will start. We've got a lot of scriptures. If you have the handout there, you'll notice there's a lot of uh, different scriptures. We won't be looking at all of them, but I gave you some references to uh, be of help to you when you do uh, maybe look back on this at another time. The sacrifices and Christ. Uh, Christ in the sacrifices, uh, of course, uh, all of the Old Testament has to do with types, typology, and we see Christ all through the Old Testament. The rituals, even in the stories that we read, uh, Noah and the Ark, for example, we see types and pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ, these patterns that are set up. And the, the sacrifices that God set up for the Jewish nation is no different. Uh, we find Jesus there. They all point to the Christ of the New Testament. Leviticus chapters 1 through 7 tell us uh, about these sacrifices. We see these five main sacrifices that God set up through Moses and the law. And each of these uh, sacrifices were pictures of Christ and his work for us on Calvary. So we see the sacrifices in the Old Testament all point to and depict and picture Jesus Christ's sacrifice in the New Testament. So basically, those sacrifices, aren't you glad you didn't live in those days? Where you had to do sacrifices all the time, you know? Uh, now, now, Glenn, he'd like that. He liked shooting animals and cutting them up and all that type of thing. But, yeah. you know, daily, I think it, you'd get kind of tired of all these sacrifices. The priests had to do that every day. They were doing those sacrifices. And, of course, the people would bring different animals in for sacrifices. We'll look at that here in just a moment. But what this was, was God was using these sacrifices in the people of Israel. Uh, remember in, back in uh, Moses' day, when all this started, there's two and a half million of them going out there, and they had the Passover and all those different feasts that started, and those sacrifices. He was using those as object lessons. These were object lessons for them to understand God's will for their life, depicting uh, sinfulness and the need of payment for sin. And so we'll see that. If you're in Hebrews chapter 7, let's just look at a couple of verses to start. Verse 26 and 27. Stand with me and we'll read these. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26, talking about Christ. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, very important, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. This he did once when he offered up himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look into your word tonight. We do, Father, reiterate those prayers for the teens and for people who are having difficulties right now. We just uh, thank you that 
we have a church family that cares enough to pray for others. And Lord, we thank you that you've promised to pray for us. We see your example of it, but also, Lord, the promise that you intercede for us. Lord, I pray that even tonight you'd speak to our hearts in some way. This lesson would help us in our personal walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You're right there in Hebrews. Let's turn to chapter 9. Chapter 9. We'll go ahead and read these verses, and then we'll kind of relate and refer to them as we go back and forth, <clears throat> Old and New Testament, a little bit. Hebrews 9, verse 22. If you found that, say amen. amen. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is, is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures, there it is, of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. So these Old Testament sacrifices and the high priests and all those things that were going on, those are actually just a picture, a figure, the Bible says, of what really happened with Jesus Christ going to heaven for our sins with his sacrifice. Verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Uh, they had to do that sacrifice every year, every year, the atonement sacrifice and the, the sin sacrifices, uh, often daily. Uh, but Jesus just once, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Are you looking for his return? Well, he's coming back, and the sacrifices not only point to his death on the cross, but also his return. Chapter 10, verse 9. Chapter 10, verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I came to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, the Old Testament, that he may establish the second, the New Testament, or the New Covenant, by the which... Excuse me, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What's the next word? Once. Once, once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering a, oft times the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And so just looking at these verses we see and we can hear and understand that Jesus' sacrifice was one sacrifice for all. He, back in the Old Testament, sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, basically and people put it this way, kind of pushing the sins forward till the real sacrifice came, and of course that was the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now we're going to go through this fairly quickly, I think, tonight, uh, but I want to kind of uh, answer any questions you might have as well. Number one, the burnt sacrifice, the burnt offering. Leviticus chapter 1 deals with the burnt offering. And uh, we see chapters 1 through 5 of Leviticus give us these five different sacrifices. And then chapter 6 and chapter 7 add some additional laws or kind of help to clarify how those things were done. And so in those first seven chapters, we see these offerings. This offering was to be completely burned up. This burnt sacrifice was completely consumed. None of it was left. None of it was to be eaten. It was just totally burned up. And, uh, and the fire, the Bible says, was not ever to go out. There were five animals that were acceptable for this offering, this atonement offering. There was a bull, a lamb, a goat, or a pigeon, or a turtle dove, depending on the worshiper. Some could afford a bull, some could not, so they would use something else. But the animal had to be without blemish, and the animal had to be, if it was from the flock or the herd, had to be a male. All right? Uh, the worshiper was to take that, that sacrifice in. He would place his hands upon the head of that innocent little animal, and they would kill the animal while he had his hands upon it, showing that he was trusting for that, uh, that uh, innocent, an innocent one would die for his sins, of course, picturing Christ. He would seek the Lord's forgiveness. The animal would be immediately killed. And then the blood would be sprinkled around and upon the altar. And the body would be cut up, the body of that animal. And various parts, the inward parts, would be washed by the priest before putting them on the altar. And then it would be burnt up totally and completely. This was to atone for the people's sins and also a dedication of one's uh, life before the Lord, saying, I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. Just like our theme, I'm going to be totally consumed with serving the Lord. I'm going to be totally consumed with that. And so this was that type of an offering. Number two was the meal offering. It's often called the meat offering, but it means a meal offering, M-E-A-L. And it had to do with consecration. Consecration. This offering consisted of grains or vegetables that would be combined with oil, pure oil, and salt. No honey or no leaven to be used because oil and salt are preservatives, while honey and leaven will spoil. Incense, such as frankincense and oil, would also be used in this offering, and the cooking instructions for different grains are given to us in Leviticus chapter 2. The priest would take a part of the offering that was brought in. The people would prepare this offering at home. They would bake the offering. They would bring it. They'd take a portion of it and cast it into the fire. And the remainder was then there to eat. Uh, unless the priest, it was his own offering, then he couldn't eat it. He would uh, just burn it all. And the purpose of this meal offering was pointing to a life that was wholly dedicated to the Lord. And it was pointed to giving, a generosity a giving type offering. We're to be givers, aren't we? What are some things we should give? Our time. We should give our time to the Lord. What else? Our tithes, okay. Anything else? Our talents. Very good. Give to missions, all right. Giving to missions. Our time was given, okay. And how about our toddlers? 
Our toddlers, our kids, we need to give them to the Lord. So it's an offering of giving, okay? We're going to give to the Lord. Number three, we see the peace offering. Peace offering. That's in Leviticus chapter 3. The peace offering has to do with a reconciliation with God and fellowship with God. All right? This offering could either be a male or a female without blemish from the flock or the herd, or it could be a goat. And the worshiper, again, would lay his hands upon this animal's head while it was killed. The blood would be sprinkled around the altar. The fat and the entrails then would be removed and uh, burned in the fire. And then the remainder would be cooked, would be uh, cooked on the fire, and it would be consumed. All right? And it was for the priest to eat and for the worshipers themselves to eat. But the, uh, the breast and the right thigh were for the priest. They had to eat all of this, whatever it was they brought, had to be consumed within two days. Anything after two days that was left over would have to be burned into the fire. But this speaks of a, a peace offering. All three of these first offerings are voluntary offerings. The peace offering was a voluntary sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Maybe you're making a vow to the Lord. And unleavened cakes would also be used in this peace offering. In this free will offering, uh, they would use, uh, and their bread, for example, that they made was without leaven. So it would be more like our pie crusts or pizza crusts. Uh, it wouldn't be a bread that rises or anything like that, but it was a peace offering. And it spoke of two things, peace with God through salvation and peace of God through that fellowship. Number four is a sin offering. Sin offering. <clears throat> And the sin offering in chapter 4 of Leviticus, it talks about the, the propitiation, the substitute, the acceptable substitution. This offering for unintentional sins. If somebody sinned, it was, uh, of course, again by class. So if somebody uh, was higher up, a priest, for example, they had a certain uh, animal they would have to bring. If it was somebody, uh, just a common person, they had certain animals. If it was somebody that's poor, they could bring a, a turtle dove or a pigeon, or even they could bring a meal offering if they couldn't afford a, a, a bird. And so it was a, depending upon class or their ability, they could bring that offering in. And so they would bring that offering in, and uh, the guilty person would stand again with his hands placed on the head of the animal. The animal would be killed, showing again the substitutionary death of the innocent animal for the sin of the individual. All of these offerings were God's object lesson saying, hey, you're sinners. You fail. You uh, fall short all the time. And because of that, death is going to come. Remember the Bible says that it starts out with just a lust, a look, and then it goes on to uh, that feeling in the heart. and. Then from there, when, when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. Death. So he was reminding the people with each of these offerings, sin is deserving of death. And uh, so we, we see this. Uh, and so that little, that little innocent animal would take the place for the sin of the individual. The trespass offering found in Leviticus chapter 5 is the fifth one, the fifth offering. This offering is very similar to the others. It had to do with injury to people. 
For example, if you heard somebody swear, oh, you heard the swearing, then not only did they have to go and take a sin offering, but because you heard it, because you heard it, you had to take a sin offering. And so this had to do with any type of injury, whether, whether it was words, somebody uh, told a lie, somebody did something, somebody said something uh, derogatory. This was a sin that had to be paid for again uh, with, uh, with death. Uh, it had to do with uh, any type of violation like that, whether a word or by deed, by action. It also included restitution. So if somebody uh, did something to somebody and maybe they scammed them out of a, uh, some money or something like that, they had to do restitution. The Bible tells us that they had to pay back the offended person plus 20%. They had to add 20% on top of that. And so uh, they would come in before the priest and they would uh, admit their sin, admit their fault. They would give their offering. They would go through the ritual of the death and so forth. And then they had to repay the uh, original uh, need, whatever that was, and they had to add 20% on top of it, a fifth part. So the first three are voluntary. The last two are commanded. When you sin, you've got to do this. When you sin. It's like in salvation. God wants us to be saved, but that's voluntary. Uh, we, we, can, we can accept or reject God's uh, sacrifice, Christ's sacrifice. But when we do sin, the Bible says that, that uh, we have an advocate with the Father, and we need to take that to the Lord. Now, how does Jesus fill these types? Well, when Jesus was on the cross, you remember he said, it is finished. It is finished. John 19.30. The term that he used there, telestii, is a word that means the debt is fully paid. We say something like this, paid in full. When you pay a bill, it's paid in full. And so that was the term that was used. We owe a debt that we cannot pay, Jesus paid the debt that we, that he did not owe. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, excuse me, chapter 10 and verse 12 says this, but this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He washed it with his blood. Uh, and so we understand this, that he fulfilled that in paying the price. Jesus came, the Bible tells us, to fulfill the law. Not to do away with the law, but to fill, fulfill it, Matthew 5, 17. Which included fulfilling all the pictures, all the symbolism, all the types that the law were depicting. Now, Jesus matched all the qualifications for these sacrifices, and I gave you a list of those on the back of your notes there. He was a male. He was without blemish. The Bible says in John 3, in him was no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he knew no sin. 1 Peter 2, 22, he did no sin. Hebrews 4, 15, he was without sin. So he fulfilled the typology, the picture of that little innocent animal, whether it be a lamb or a bullock or a bird, whatever it was, innocent, dying for the guilty. His death was substitutionary. Um, Romans chapter 3, I'm going to turn there and read this for you. You're familiar with the verses to start. 
Romans 3.23, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of you heard that verse before? All right. But listen to what else it says. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for His remission of for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. So He's telling us here that we've all sinned, and Jesus Christ is the acceptable substitute. Remember that. Definition, propitiation, the acceptable substitute for us dying, he died in our place. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses of the first few verses there, Paul says, I want to declare unto you the gospel. And you remember that, it's a clear, concise explanation of the gospel. And that gospel is that Christ, part of it is that Christ died, don't leave out this part, for our sins. Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again for our justification. He died for our sins. And so realizing that he was that propitiation. Next uh, little dot there, he was killed before the Lord. When he was on the cross, remember he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who is he talking to before He's talking to his father, heavenly father, God. And so he was killed before the Lord. And a little later on, uh, in verse number 46, he said, for into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. And so we see that he was killed before the Lord. He was killed northward. Leviticus 1 says all these, all these sacrifices were to be done on the north side of the altar. On the north side, Jesus was killed on the north side of Jerusalem, on the north side of the temple. Uh, he fulfilled all the pictures, many more than just what we're talking about here. His blood was sprinkled upon the altar, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Of course, that takes place in heaven where the blood of Christ was sprinkled there. He was wholly consumed. Jesus gave every part of himself his back to the, to the whip, his face to be beaten, and his uh, beard plucked, his head, his neck, his feet, his hands, his brow, his side, every part of him, his ears, even hearing the, def the defamation of people cursing him and mocking him and so forth, every part of him was given, wholly consumed for you and I. His heart was broken for you and I. Then he was also that grain of the meal offering crushed for us. In Leviticus, it says when you bring in this offering, it needs to be fine meal. Fine meal. In other words, it needs to be crushed down. They would take their meal, their wheat and so forth, and they would crush it by hand, and they would crush it, and they said that when you make this, this bread for the altar, it needs to be fine meal. It needs to be crushed very finely to make this, this bread for the sacrifice. And so Jesus was crushed for us. He is the bread of life, satisfying our needs. And this was accompanied, of course, with the oil. When they made the, the bread, it was accompanied with the oil, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, and with salt, which was a picture of his preserved uh, purity and his character, that even though he was tempted by sin, he did no sin. 
There was no leaven of evil within him, no fermentation, uh, no, uh, nothing dead there. As a grain of wheat must die in order to reproduce, Jesus himself said in John chapter 12, as a corn of wheat uh, has to die, it's planted, and in order for it to reproduce, it has to die. And so he is a picture of that. He was that sweet-smelling savor. And I'll read this for you in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. The Bible says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a, a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now let me take you back a little bit. When you were growing up and you were out playing and so forth and You'd be out there, and uh, you'd get kind of hungry, and you'd come home, and you'd smell some food cooking. Didn't it always smell good? I know we'd go to the beach, and we'd uh, be uh, at the beach all day, and we'd come home, and usually when we come home, there'd be tacos. Boy, you can smell those tacos. And uh, sometimes uh, when I'd go to school as a, as a boy, we would go down past uh, Mayfair, which is a grocery store. And next to Mayfair, they had a place that we always liked to go. It was a bakery. How many of you like the smell of bakery? The smell of fresh baked bread. I mean, just the boy, just maybe it was your mother's chocolate chip cookies that used to smell. <laughs> but that sweet smelling savor, it was just boy. Boy, it just made you want to have some. The Bible says Jesus' death was a sweet-smelling savor to God the Father. All right, so that's what it's depicting there. And so uh, not only that, the sweet-smelling savor, but he not only made peace between God and man, Romans chapter 5, he made that peace in our salvation, but also he is our peace, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 17. In uh, Colossians 1.20, he made peace through the blood of his cross, and you're familiar with that. He's our sin bearer without the camp. Again, I'll read this, these verses to you. It's the last chapter of Hebrews, verses 11 and 12. Hebrews 13. For the bodies of those beasts, talking about those animals that were sacrificed, the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Now think about this. They would kill the little lamb or the bull, and then they would bring the blood in and sprinkle it, and then they would take those bodies, that burnt offering, and they'd take them outside the camp to burn it. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate, outside of Jerusalem. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. So just like that animal's body was taken outside the camp, Jesus Christ went outside the camp. And uh, there's a reason for that. The reason for that was not because the sacrifice was sinful, but because the camp was too sinful for holy sacrifice. All right, and so we need to go and, and, and be with him. He's a substitute, but he's also the satisfaction for all of our sin and our defilement. He satisfied that, we read those verses in Romans chapter 3, he satisfied and he was that propitiation, the last one, for the remission of our sins, the acceptable substitute. The word remission, you've heard the term remit, means to pay. It's a mathematical term. 
and uh, it was a, a payment that was made. Jesus was a payment that was made, the acceptable payment for our sin that we would be forgiven and have everlasting life. So we might not understand all about these sacrifices, but we do look back at them and we see that it's a depiction, it's a picture of what Christ did for us in the New Testament. The Old Testament sacrifices, whatever they were, those five that are mentioned there, the main ones in Leviticus 1 through 5, they were each a picture of what Christ did for us when he died on Calvary's cross. He, he uh, was the reality of what those pictures showed. Um, uh, we were talking just before church, and uh, you're telling us that you have a niece that you've never seen. Is that right? Then some Facebook and so forth that she's going down to Texas. She's going down to Texas to see her family. And uh, down there in Texas, going to meet a niece that she's never seen before. She's going to see her face-to-face, -face, not just on Facebook. There's a difference between a picture and the real thing. The Old Testament is just a picture of the real thing that Jesus Christ did for us in the New Testament. So at the last part of your outline, Jesus is our voluntary substitutionary sacrifice, satisfying God's justice so we might come to him, love him, and serve him. Part of those sacrifices have to do with a commitment to serve him. He wants us to present our bodies. Listen, Romans 12, chapter 1, excuse me, verse 1. He wants us to present our bodies a what? living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He gave himself for us, and we need to give ourselves for him. Our time, our talents, our treasures, our toddlers, we need to give all those things to the Lord in a sacrificially, if need be. Then we think of these, uh, when we think of these sacrifices, we realize that Jesus Christ, and I'll give you this and we'll be done, when we talk about the sacrifice in the altar, Jesus Christ is the high priest. He is the sacrifice. He is the altar, the mercy seat. He is the merciful, forgiving God. He fulfills all of those pictures when he died for us there on the cross. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.